can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Ladies, hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I am Jack Fowler, the host, the star and namesake that is Victor Davis Hanson. He is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor has a website, The Blade of Perseus. Its web address is victorhanson.com. I will talk a little more about that at the end of this uh, recording. We are recording. On the 27th of January, this particular episode should be up on Tuesday, the 30th. So, Victor, as ever, increasingly so many important big issues uh, to get your take on. And the first will be about the verdict in New York, the E. Jean Carroll verdict against Donald Trump, $83 million hit by the jury. We'll get Victor's thoughts on that on the pending House vote for impeachment uh, for um, uh, uh, Secretary Mayorkas. And we'll look into Victor's big essay, Year of Living Dangerously. All that, maybe more, right after we come back from these important messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Victor, uh, our listeners should know you are active on Twitter slash X and that twice or so a week you're writing significant reflections there and you wrote one uh, yesterday or early today. Again, we're recording on Saturday, the 27th, right um, in the aftermath of the New York uh, jury handing E. Jean Carroll an $83 million verdict against Donald Trump. Victor, your thoughts on what's happened here? Well, it's still uh, preliminary, but a a couple, uh, this thing bothered me. It really did. Uh, You know, if you look at Judge Kaplan and the things that he said and during that trial, for example, I'll just give you one. The the initial battery claim uh, was, and rape claim, she said that she was raped. I'll get to that in a minute. But it was under New York law, given the circumstances of the allegation. Remember what we're talking about, that two people go into a major department store. He She sees what, who at that time was a celebrity, comes over, they talk. They're in the lingerie section. They're buying gifts, I guess. And they get into apparently sexual banter, which reaches a crescendo that ends up in, she claims, into a private dressing room during business hours. And at such time, whatever little sexuality that was the purpose of going in there, I don't know why two adults, if she's telling the truth, go into a locked room during business hours for a reason other than intimacy. But she says it went too far and he penetrated her digitally. He claims he doesn't have any memory of this. Okay, that's where we are. I'm not going to weigh in on who's telling. He said, she said, Rick Kavanaugh, whole stuff. Tara Reid, Joe Biden. That's what this is in the category of. But what disturbs me about the judge is the jury did not find that he raped her. They said it was sexual assault. Later, he said it was almost, even though it didn't fit the in a commentary, the rule of Rape, it was virtual rape. It was rape, he said. So here you have a judge who is adjudicating a very specific piece of legislation that is the basis for this complaint. And according to that wording or the legislation, the verdict is that he did not commit rape, but the judge then extrapolates and said it's virtually the same. I think that right there is grounds for a reversal of this defamation. Remember what we're talking about Sometime in 1994, 95, or 96, and she can't remember. She can't remember the date, job. It's within a three-year. She says this incident happened. She was silent. Let's say it's the latest, 96. She was silent, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, but somewhere around 25 years. She gets up to Donald Trump is enters politics somewhere around 2017. She writes a book about who needs men. And she writes a New York magazine extrapolation in which she says a major person raped her. First time. Okay. And then she identifies him. And then the whole left wing anger machine gets in. And why don't you do something about it? So, Jack, she files a battery suit. But unfortunately for her, 
It's past the statute of limitations, so it's dropped. And who is she, E. Jean Carroll? She is, at this time, 76 years old. She's a successful columnist for the fashion risque magazine L.A., kind of a cutting-edge feminist magazine. And she writes a sex advice, dating, uh, partnership, relationship call. It's pretty explicit. I looked at some of it. Okay. So it's over with, statute of limitations. However, there is a fellow in the New York legislature that hates Donald Trump's guts. And he has a habit. He has a habit of, I don't know what you'd call it, Jack. You can't quite call it bills of attainder, which are, those are specific legislative statutes that go after individuals by, you know what I mean? You just make a law that says he's guilty, which is what the English crown did and which uh, outraged uh, the, the colonials to the point that they declared their independence. But my point is this, that he, he in 2016, he, he introduced a, a colleague called the Trust Act. And the gist of it was that sealed state New York tax records could be released without the permission of the tax filer if a committee in Congress needed the information. And everybody said this was basically a bill of attainder, that they were trying to get at Donald Trump's tax returns. And remember, they were variously leaked later, so they got them anyway. And one of the things they would try to do was get the state return. And then on the state return, it might have information not only about New York, but about the government. So this guy in the legislature uh, used that tactic to get to Trump. Now we fa fast forward to 2022. There's no case, Jack. It's the statute of limitation. And he introduces another bill that says... If you file a claim of sexual battery or assault, and if it is past the statute of limitation, so it's not you have no legal validity to do so, for 12 months after we sign this bill, and only 12 months, you have a window of opportunity to file against anybody at any time, anywhere, no matter how far in the past it was. And she immediately then takes advantage of that and files again. And here we are. So they have this battery case They're before a left-wing judge, Kaplan, a left-wing jury, and they find Donald Trump guilty, not of rape as alleged, but of sexual assault. And they find $5 million of damage. Then she sues for defamation of character based on the idea that Donald Trump said she's a whack job, and there's no validity to this. And then yesterday, Jack, she gets an 83.3 million settlement. So we're, we're, here's the gist of it. We're talking about giving $83 million in you know, punitive and actual damages to now an 80-year-old an woman who, who lost her column at Ellie. And she says this ruined her career because in defending himself from this charge, which Trump says he's never met her and he didn't, he wasn't in the store. He said she was a whack job and then therefore she was fired from her columns. But how many, Jack, if you're 76 years old, you don't have a long shelf life. And she was making 120,000. They reduced it to 60. 
And then they fired her. And the editor of L.A. said it had nothing to do with her complaints and her notoriety. We just didn't want to want her anymore. You know, she's 76 years old and we don't need her writing about sex and everything for our magazine anymore. We don't want to pay that much. It was on that basis. Me, that Victor, she, and, and, and this is this is in a backdrop of media publications of just collapsing. So, yes, you know, it should be no surprise. Yes. That and that's very point that they wanted a reason to get rid of her. And they said that she was no longer a persuasive or a popular author based on. So and I think that's that's very important. So here's some other things that were really bad. Number one, she can't remember the year. Number two, she says she has a remembrance of a particular stylish dress that she wore. She's got, she took a picture of it. That dress was not in existence when this three-year period of which she can't specify that she was sexually assaulted. Number three, she went on and made a little app on your phone. And it's there's a long story. Everybody, if I tweeted about this, it's on Axios. If you go to 2015, that's when she did it. And she basically, it's, you know, lover's game or something. And you go in this app and it gives you a proposition of two people who are in love. And then you see how you can break them up and destroy them. And it's called evil, evil, evil in the, in the story about it. How to be evil, evil, evil. And some of the things that you do are you make accusations about people and then they people react to it. Number four, she also wrote a blog about ex-boyfriends and she traced her ex-boyfriends down. And then she, as a part of the story, with their consent, moved in with them and their wives. That was one of the, the essays she wrote. Number five. This is really, I don't know how to say this, Jack, but apparently in 2012 on a Law and Order episode, there was a woman who went into the Bergendorf, whatever this is called in New York, this big department store, and she met a very powerful man on the story. And they went into the dressing room and had some kind of encounter, and then she sued him. Okay. This is. 15 years after this thing happened, so one or two things are going on. She either says, didn't tell anybody about it, and then she used that actual incident to sell a script to Law and Order, or she made this up to Law and Order, and then that was the basis for her complaint. Either way, it is, it's really something. And then... Before she filed the complaint against Donald Trump recently, before, maybe a year or two, but 20 years after she said she was sexual, she tweets that her favorite show is what? On television, Apprentice, Donald Trump show. And then we get into, I don't know how to put it, but we have these, uh, this question of defamation. So what Judge Kaplan and the jury are saying is if somebody comes out of the woodwork, Jack, and says 
26 years ago, you sexually assaulted me in a room and there was I had there were no witnesses. And I have not said a word about it for 25 years. And I don't know what year it took place, but I wore a dress, but the dress didn't exist at the time she said she wore it. And I've had apps about how to destroy men's relationships with women. And I've been on Anderson Cooper and said I wasn't really rape. You know, rape, people say rape is sexy. She said, people say rape is, for me, it wasn't. So you're, she's now into this huge defamation suit. And by the way, who is funding it? A Silicon Valley left-wing billionaire, Reed Hoffman. He sees this going on and he says, oh my God, this is a way to get Trump. I'll give you an unlimited legal expense account. Do what you got to do to sue him and bankrupt him. Okay. But what gets me is this judge is now saying that if anybody comes out of the woodwork and charges you with all this and has very little proof, no witnesses, and gets confused about the evidence, and in the meantime has showed no hostility to you, but to the point that she's admired you so much that she's tweeted to the world that you're her favorite TV show. And in addition to that, she's made an app about how in relationships you can destroy somebody. And in addition to that, the exact same thing has been transmogrified into a TV episode. Then you you re reply to that. And so Donald Trump says, this is crazy. I never met her. Maybe he'd met her or something and he'd, I don't know whether he did or not. I'm not going to get into that. And then she defames him for the things he says about her. But what is more defamatory than to bring a suit against somebody and charge him with all these things and then go into the New York court system with an unlimited account from somebody who hates Donald Trump's guts in an election year and do things against him that you never, for 25 years, you never had a problem apparently with until he was famous and president or running for president. And then on top of all this, We've got the final question, Jack, and this is something I want to be very careful about. There is something weird about the Washington, New York justice system for conservative white males. Here's what I'm saying. It was a cornerstone of the civil rights movement that blacks could not get fair trials in the South because they were segregated juries, they were white people, and they were prejudiced. Okay. So... As a result of the civil rights legislation of 1964 and 65 and further court rulings for the next 40 years, roughly there was a statute or a protocol introduced that a person, when the Constitution says you're going to a jury trial by your peers, that the peers would have some rough approximation. So if you're a black man in Detroit and you're, you're charged with murder, they're not going to have 12 white wealthy suburban mates, right? Just not going to happen. And you're not going to have a, a white judge. And that's, that is something that we've seen. So what we've seen here, though, is when you start looking at the voting records of Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Washington, D.C., you see 50, not 50, not 70, 80, 90 percent, it goes Democratic. And they're heavily minority districts. And what we're seeing on the left is that prosecutors will go into these two 
jurisdictions. And Washington, remember, is the jurisdiction because it, it, it involves everything to do with government. And that's why Donald Trump is in these two. And we saw with the January 6th that the juries of the defendant's peers did not look like America to use the left wing, either ideologically or ethnically or racially or anything. And so what we're seeing with all of these rulings, and it's going to be the true, same thing with Lana, this is really lawfare where prosecutors are relying on the ideology and other racial or cultural questions to come into the play as well as the evidence produced. That's what I'm suggesting to you. And if somebody said, well, that's reverse racism or you're crazy or that's horrible, then I, if that is true, then you have to ask yourself, where did we get that idea of what I just said? Where did we get the idea that Rodney King didn't get a fair trial because he was charged and he was tried in Simi Valley and there were mostly white conservatives there. And that's what the precedent did not come from the right. It came from the left. And this is something that I think terrifies people and it's been used as a political weapon. And that is when you go into the Trump administration, there is a subtext that if you screw up, you don't have to screw up. If you're controversial, a Peter Navarro. You think Peter Navarro's going to get got a fair trial? He's going to go four months to prison for refusing a subpoena, and maybe he will get a pardon. I doubt it because Trump may not pardon him or he may not get elected. He's 74 years old. He's going to go to prison for doing what? Doing exactly what Lois Lerner did or Eric Holder did or an array of other Obama or Democratic well, Hunter officials. Biden did. Hunter Biden and by the way, Hunter just agreed to go when this all came up because it was unsustainable to see uh, Peter Navarro, a high administration official, go to prison for not uh, obeying a subpoena when he thumbed his nose at. And so there you you go. And so it's lawfare in a very strange way. So just, so just to sum up, everybody, I'm not trying to suggest that what Donald Trump did or did not do didn't occur or did occur was bad or good. I'm just saying that when you have a legal system and you can come after somebody 25 years later with no evidence in, in the sense of physical evidence and no witnesses, and you got yourself into a situation that in the middle of the day, you locked yourself into a dressing room with a man for what purpose, consensually and willfully, and then you have a complaint post facto that it went way farther than you wanted and it was assault, even wow. though the person, the other party denies this happened. And in that interim, you did not say anything for 20 years. And only when the person that you are now accusing became a celebrity in the sense of a politician, a controversial one. And in that you filed it and you still would not be able to file it except a left wing member of the New York legislature changed the law to post facto accommodate your complaint in a way that he had done things earlier to target Trump. And in this, the meantime, the judge says it doesn't matter that there was a TV show with the exact, basically the same story, the same department store, the same controversy that I guess she either saw that and created the story or that she herself influenced that stealth. I don't know the answer. Or if you had said that the perpetrator of this heinous act 
in the meantime, was your favorite celebrity on television. And the dress that you say that is the proof doesn't exist at the time, as I said, that you filed the complaint. And then you're going to try all of this in a left-wing city with a left-wing judge and a left-wing jury. It's not fair. It's not fair. And this is something that we see with Fannie Willis, we see with Latita James, we see with Alvin Bragg and Jack Smith. And I, I'm just telling everybody that whatever you think of Donald Trump, if you create a system where an ex-president and a leading candidate for the presidency is going to be charged with crimes that everybody knows would not be filed if he was not running or if he was running as a progressive Democrat, you don't have the United States anymore. It's not. It's just a blank, blank banana republic. And if you compound this and add it on to the fact that we have 17 states that are trying to take his name off the ballot on grounds that he's an insurrectionary and he's never been charged with insurrection, much less convicted of it. And this takes place in a larger canvas of the Russian disinformation laptop bogus story that nobody believes, but was very effective in influence the 2020 election. And this comes on top of the Russian collusion charge of the Steele dossier that everybody knows now was fake. And something is very wrong with the United States of America. It's gone completely off the rails. And that's what I'm saying. And, and you know, I could also say, do you remember, Jack, when... Joe Biden, during the campaign of 2019 and 20, was accused of Tara Reid, a former Senate assistant, of being forcibly uh, confronted by him, pressed himself up, and then he digitally penetrated her, almost the same charge. Right. And not only, and was there any evidence? No, it was just like this. It was he said, she said, except her mother called a talk show. If you remember that, Larry, Larry, uh, King, right? Larry yeah. King and said, my daughter has been sexually assaulted by a major politician in Washington. And we found out later that they were, you know, mother and daughter. And then during the campaign, remember, they asked an array of people. It was very embarrassing because it was the tail end of Me Too. I think right. uh, I think was it Liz Warren said she was she should be believed. Maybe even Kamala Harris said that. I can't remember. But. The point was, did any is anybody going to come out now in a red state? Was it Tara Reid? Was she maybe she'll go to Idaho and maybe the Idaho legislature will pass a bill that says anybody can file a sexual assault charge, uh, regardless of the statute of limitations, at least for the twelve next for twelve months, and then she'll do this, and then they'll get a pro and we'll go down the whole thing. This is what we're looking at, and it's all predicated on one thing, everybody. Remember that. It's predicated on one idea, that conservatives will not try to take their opponents on the Democratic Party off the ballot. Con conservatives will not dream up laptops, uh, disinformation, ruses. They will not hire foreign spies, bankrupt, has-been foreign spies, and pay them and have them hired by the FBI to create lies about their opponents. And cons you're not going to have politicized trials in cities like Casper, Wyoming, or Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, or 
you know, Mobile, Alabama, et cetera, or Fresno, California. No, it's not going to happen to go after your political opponents. And until there's some types of deterrence, I don't know how you're going to stop it. Well, Victor, um, maybe a little more on this. But first, I'd like to take a moment to welcome back our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for, dear listeners? of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash victor50. That's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0. And use the code VICTOR50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash Victor 50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. And we thank the good people at Factor for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson show. Victor, two, um, two quick uh, thoughts. You know, uh, you mentioned the statute of limitations, and we always still believe we conservatives that we're a nation of laws. But in New York State, fertile ground for doing that kind of stuff in the legislature because uh, in response to a, a lingering, long lingering, decades lingering charges against the Catholic Church of priests molesting uh, boys and uh, and girls, um, the New York State legislature, uh, I think Andrew Cuomo was, was the governor at the time, made mincemeat of the then standing uh, uh, rules and laws for statute of uh, limitation. So right now, there are, I know guys from my uh, high school, I'm 63, and uh, they are, they've taken civil action against the church and others for things that happened in 1977, um, 78, when people, you know, I don't know how you prove it. Uh, there's no question malicious things happen. So that's that's kind of one fertile ground for doing this kind of nefarious changing our, our uh, system of laws. And then one other thing to add, and then maybe we'll get on to, uh, Victor, we'll get on to your thoughts on what might be happening uh, this week with uh, Secretary Mayorkas, is also on the civil side of things this week, Mark Stein and Rand Simberg are in a court in Washington, D.C., sued by Michael Mann, the Penn State, now he's at UPenn, climatologist, over something Mark Stein wrote in National Review in 2012. And why was this case filed in the District of Columbia Superior Court? And why, why, wasn't, why didn't Mann bring his actions in where he lived in Pennsylvania or Idaho? Um, this is an extremely expensive trial that has cost, you know, this side, our side, which is National Review, Stein, Rand Simberg, and the Competitive Enterprise Institute, many, many, this is many millions of dollars. Jack, if the Republicans take the Senate and the House, they need to address this, and they need to have a statute, a law that says that anybody charged 
in New York or Washington, D.C., and then they have and then they should specify the grounds by which you can get a change of venue. Because what's going on is they are doing two things. They're assuming that if you're charged in Washington, you're going to have to pay a thousand to two thousand dollars an hour for that legal in that legal environment. And you're going right. to go before a jury that will not look like America, not look like your peers, and will definitely, if you're conservative, be 90 percent or 80 percent against you as the voting records in that jurisdiction show. And they will yeah. bankrupt you. And Absolutely. everybody knows that's that. And that's why you and yeah. what's the purpose of it? So then you don't get good people that want to serve and take a pay cut and go to Washington and be the, the targets of law uh, lawfare. And the case of the legislature, just to finish, you're, you're absolutely right. But this guy, Brad Hoyman, I'm just trying to remember by, so I think it was Brad Hoyman. He was the first gay legislature, legislator in New York in the Senate, I think, of the state Senate. And he, it wasn't just this, though. He had a, a history of looking at the landscape and hating Trump and coming to trying to figure out how he could get the Democratic majority to go after Trump. And he went after the taxes with the special legislation. It doesn't mean that other people weren't didn't fall into this trap. But the point was that the and the catalyst for the legislation was Donald Trump. And, the, you know, the Constitution, when you read about the Bill of Attainders, they're a little different. I understand that. But the spirit is the same. That we are we are all walking around as free men and women in this country with the assumption that somebody that doesn't like us is not going to go in and pass a law and make something that we did in the past that is not actionable now actionable. And if that is if that's true, then you have no you have no freedom or you have no bill of rights. You have nothing because it means you're walking around with a time bomb. Anything you've done in your past. Forget the statute of limitations. I'm not talking about well, rape and murder and robbery. I'm just talking about your taxes, 20, anything will be come under scrutiny in a particular legal environment where the judge, jury and prosecutor, if you're a conservative, will be of the opposite party. Mm-hmm. And you are going to be in big trouble. And when you look well, at Donald Trump. Even if you Trump, didn't do something, Victor. <laughs> so it's not even if you did something 40 years ago. It's if you, even if you didn't do something. No, 40 you didn't. Years ago, it, you didn't. Well, what was it? Was, was Donald Trump's tax actionable? No. They went after him and they went after him and they went after him. And now we found out that he had legitimate write offs. And that was leaked. And did the leaker ever face this this type of exposure? No. They didn't do anything to him, essentially. And Hunter Biden was going to get off in the same place. So it works in reverse, everybody. It's not just they go after the right. You get, on the other hand, the subtext is if you want to come to Washington and work for us on the left side and you get in legal problems, we have prosecutors and we have judges and we have juries that are going to protect you. And if you're if you're Lois Lerner and you just say, screw you to the subpoena or you're Eric Holder and you say, I'm not going to give you anything. I'm just screw you, House subpoena. There's not going to be anything that happens to you. And they won't even try it because they know it'll happen. We will nullify it and, and it's not going to go anywhere. And that's a great attraction for people to go to Washington, just like it's not a great attraction. If you were Peter Navarro and you were kind of a... I don't know, a septuagenarian, late 60s maybe, 
professor of economics, Harvard PhD from in economics, teaching at UC Irvine. You were kind of out there in the sense that the mainstream economists were not as libertarian or I shouldn't say libertarian. They were not protectionists like he is and that you were, you know, you were kind of controversial. So you get you would advise Trump and you go to Washington and everybody hates your guts because you have a voice that they don't agree. Wall Street hates you. Wall Street Journal hates you. Banks hate you. The big corporations hate you. The huge China globalist investment hates you. And you finish your tenure without any without any controversy. And all of a sudden they say, we want to talk to you about January 6th. What did you say to Trump? It's executive privilege. I'm working for the president. I don't have to tell you everything. And Lynn Cheney and Mr. Kissinger and the Democratic majority then slap a subpoena and they put you're going to put him in jail. It's not America. It's not America. It is not America. And you know what? It's not America when 51 intelligence authorities come out and swear to us that that laptop looks like Russian disinformation. And then you have someone just to pick on him, Leon Panetta, the former director of the CIA, who actually was sanctioned and reprimanded for flying on his private government jet back and forth to his home in Monterey. But he signed that. And when he was asked about that, he had no apologies. He didn't say, well, this was Russian disinformation. He not only had no apologies about it, but now he's involved with another group, one of these pro-democracy groups that is warning us that they have to be very vigilant. And they're already ready to start taking preemptive measures to stop Donald Trump from being president in 2024. And uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Panetta, but uh, I I wasn't I had nothing against you. I thought you were a sober and judicious public servant. But when you signed that thing and you told the Americans on the eve of a debate and on the eve of the 2020 that this laptop that was so incriminating was cooked up or a likely work of Russian disinformation. And then you were confronted when even Hunter's legal team does not deny it is his. In fact, they are using the fact that it was authentic to say that the person has no right to take information because it's Hunter's private correspondence. And, and then you won't apologize to the American people. That is just absolutely shameful. He, he not only didn't apologize when he was questioned about it. I forget if it was on Fox, maybe Brett Baer or somebody. He laughed. He laughed about it. So um, it's kind of uh, he's. He's no Harry Reid, but he's of the same mind. We won, didn't we? Right? I'm a religious person, both in the terms of Christianity, but also pre-Christian in the sense I think there's a there's a a force in the world. You know, in the East they call it karma, and in classical literature it's nemesis. But when you go excessively out of the way to destroy people, and you go out of your way in a hubristic fashion to trample the law and threaten the Constitution. And you do this and do this and do this. There's a force of nature that's going to correct that, believe me. And the left should be very, very careful because what they are doing is destroying the constitutional system we've had for 232 years. And, you know, they wanted to pack the court. They wanted to get rid of the Electoral College. They wanted to bring in two left-wing states. They wanted to get rid of the filibuster. Now they're going, and they were stopped, and now they're going with the open border, 
And now they're going with getting the name of the president or the leading Republican candidate off the ballot. And now they're using the court system and somebody who has very little legal claim to cherry pick a judge and cherry pick a jury and just try to bankrupt the leading candidate. And this is just the preview, Jack. All summer, everybody listening, we know now that Fannie Wills, Mr. Wade, went to the White House to be prepped and tutored about his special prosecution in Georgia. We know that they communicated with the January 6th committee. And we don't know what Mr. Smith and Mr. James and Mr. Mr. James and Mr. Bragg are doing, but you can bet that someone is coordinating these suits all year long to the election. And what they want to do is they want Donald Trump to be nominated and win the primaries and then be ossified, inert, calcified, can't move, and then at some point indict him and get him in jail, and then there's no candidate, and they have to scramble around like the Democrats did in 1972 when they had to pick, was it Sergeant Shriver at the last moment as their vice president candidate for McGovern? It was just a joke. That's what they want, and um, it's, it's not good. It's not good what's going on. Well, we're going to talk a little later about this year of living dangerously because it's dangerous in other ways to Vector, but also to is and also. But we also want to uh, address uh, Mayorkas. And let's do that. Let's get your thoughts on what's pending right after these important messages. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. I apologize to our listeners if there's anything hinky with the sound here, but uh, little old Jack Fowler's got some technical issues. I'm in my mother's bedroom in the Bronx, so uh, it's not exactly a studio. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> You're suggesting that the Victor Davis Hanson show doesn't have a sophisticated studio with neon lights and blinking lights and $28,000 of sophisticated sound equipment? No, no, Victor. I think sometimes you and I are connected by those um, oatmeal boxes with string. So, (laughs) but anyway, anyway, let me lump three things together here, Victor, uh, border related. One, your favorite person, Joy Reid on MSNBC saying those who declare border security is important are in fact racist because they declare that. The second thing 
uh, mentioned earlier several times now is Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, has articles of impeachment uh, will be voted on by the House of Representatives this week. And the third thing, which I think is related, and this is interesting because you just talked about Fannie Willis in Georgia, there's a, a poll out uh, about uh, from the University of Georgia of uh, Georgia voters, about 1,300 or so registered um, concerning the upcoming elections. And backdrop is Joe Biden got 88% of the black vote in Georgia in 2020. Right now, according to the survey, Biden has support of 58.6% of George- registered Georgia black voters. Donald Trump has 20.4%. I have to think, Victor, uh, as this is a byproduct in part as we've seen in some other, you know, black major uh, cities with major black uh, majorities, such as Chicago, just push back in outrage over the madness on the border, or what used to be a border that is now affecting not just the folks on the border, not just Texas and Arizona, and New Mexico, but affecting all of America. Victor, I, I, this yeah, big yeah. ball of wax here. Your thoughts? I, I think the black community and the Latino community are starting to see that this Democratic Party is not Bill Clinton. You know, in The Dying Citizen, I went back and looked at all the speeches at the 92 and 96 Democratic Convention by Nancy Pelosi, by Joe Biden, by Bill Clinton, by Hillary Clinton. Jack, they are to the right of the Republican position on the border. They were so angry at open borders, they felt that it destroyed the wages of their greatest constituency, which was union, middle-class Democratic America. Barack Obama gave a speech. And early in his administration, why it was unfair to let people cut in front of the line, he said. So this is a revolutionary movement. And I think a lot of people in the Democratic Party are saying these people don't care about us. They don't care that people are defecating in the park. They don't care if people are urinating on our uh, doorstep as they beg us for money. They don't care that we can't even get into the ER in Chicago. They don't they don't care. We're nobody because they have these utopian globals views about there's no borders. They need cheap labor. And I think it may. I think this is this is behind a lot of the things we talked about. This Carol Reed Hoffman, you know, sending millions of dollars to using the the vessel of E. Jean Carroll to sue Trump to bankrupt him. The same thing with all this lawfare. It is a terror that Donald Trump is going to win and not just win, but win with the aid of 20% of the black vote and 45% of the Latino vote. And they don't know how to stop it because they're addicts to this ideology. They can't change, even though they know the border is destroying them. On the wider question of the border, very quickly, so we've got this situation, Jack, where you almost have a civil war fort Sumner-like collision on the horizon because we have a state that has a identical border as our federal border. And the Constitution says that in two parts, is it Article 4, Sections 9 and 10? I'm just doing it by memory. It says that the it's the responsibility of the federal government to protect the states from foreign invasion. Well, if you're getting 100,000 people dead from imported fentanyl and you're getting 8 million people that are overwhelming your country and you have the federal government that is not fulfilling its constitutional duty, then what do you do if you're a state? You start to enforce 
your border. Yes, it is their border twice. It is the Texas border because as Americans, that is an American federal border. And as Texicans, that is a border. And they start enforcing it. And you would think that the Biden administration would say something like this, Jack. Hmm. Well, we got the Silicon Valley. We've got the Chamber of Commerce. We've got the corporate boardroom. We've got all these special interests that we cater to because they're big donors that want cheap labor. And then we've got the Latino left-wing elite caucus, the La Raza people, the BLM, the Antifa base, the squad, and they want... Uh, a BLM, Antifa, DEI agenda, and we got to be careful about them, but it's hurting us. So maybe we'll do this. We'll just yell, well, they can't do this. This is nullifying federal law. And then just let them do it. Just let Texas put the barbed wire and stop it. And then we'll just deplore it. And that will depease everybody. And they're not, they can't even do that because they're such ideologues. They're tearing down any state effort to stop illegality. They are on the sides of illegality. That's just what it's about. So what happens then when other governors in the other states send their National Guard to help the Texas National Guard, and Joe Biden has talked himself into, I don't know what you call it, Jack, a civil discord, uh, a civil war type of situation where he's going to do what now? try to nationalize all these state guards and say, now you work for me or tell the federal, federal the ICE people who I think 45% of them are, are Latino that live in that area and they're diametrically opposed and their cousins and brothers and friends work for the Texas border. So is he going to tell his ICE people or his border patrol people, we want you to physically confront your cousin and your brother or your wife on the other side that works for Texas because you're Texas residents and remove all this so more people can break the law and ruin your community. I don't think that's it. But there's a lot of issues here. And then we've got this other issue. And Joe Biden, there's a great tape out on the Internet. It's everywhere. It's 2007. And they're asked specifically when Joe Biden is beginning to run against Barack Obama, and he's staking out territory, he thinks, on the Democratic right. And they ask him specifically, do you think sanctuary cities are a good idea? No, they're bad. They're illegal. You can't do that. And what he's saying is that you can't be one of 550 lo local and state jurisdictions and say to the federal government, we are George Wallace. We are state writers right to hers. Our rights are more important than the federal government. We nullify your federal immigration law. If you send a federal immigration agent into my city or go to the jail to pick up somebody convicted of a federal offense in which you have jurisdiction, we're not going to let you in. We're going to forcibly stop you and you're not going to deport anybody within our jurisdiction. And everybody thought that was wonderful. And now they're trying to say, Texas, you're, you believe in state rights over federal control. No, no, they're just following what you did, only there's a big difference. You followed the nullification example of South Carolina that started the Civil War because you wanted to weaken federal law and destroy it and make state law preeminent over the federal law. Texas wants to enforce federal law. They are more federal than is Joe Biden. And I don't know where this is going to go, but 
um, you know, just to sum up where we are right now, Jack, is a very weird political situation, a very critical point in our history. You have about 60 percent of the people in the country. If you look at Joe Biden's 33 percent ABC approval and you look at his approval on the border, that's is in the 20s on these issues, there's no support. So then you have the MAGA movement and whether you call it. Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, she's not Nikki Haley, but it goes beyond Donald Trump. But let's say it's Donald Trump right now, and it is. And you've got about 60 percent agree with everything he's doing. So then you look at the Democrats and they're thinking, oh, my God, they caught on to us. They caught on to draining the petroleum the way they got on to canceling the liquid natural gas terminals they got caught on to the three gender scam they got caught on to the dei and the anti-semitism they got caught they know who we are now and what we're trying to do so we're going to lose everything unless we can do two things destroy their candidate and they get on the phone. Hey, Reed Hoffman. Hey, Mark Zuckerberg, you're building that $100 million bunker dollar in Hawaii. Get over here. We need another $419 million to absorb the work of purple state registrars like you did in 2020. Hey, Antifa, BLM, we, remember? You, we, we modulated your protest. Molly Ball wrote about it in Time Magazine. We need you to get back out in the street. That's, what they're, that's all they have. And it's going to be a very, very, it's going to be the most dangerous year. I'm really afraid about it uh, in our lifetime because right. I think the left is, it's very dangerous domestically, Jack, when they know the people are not with them. And more importantly, the people who were never with them cannot be fooled twice, to quote Abraham Lincoln. You can't do it. They can't do it anymore. The Joe Biden, oh, I'm just old Joe Biden from Scranton, working class guy. That's not going to work. It's not going to work anymore. And they are headed for a big defeat. And even the drain the strategic petroleum reserve, forgive um, student debt, scare everybody about nine week abortion bills and in, in red state, all that stuff that helped them stave off a landslide defeat in the midterm. I don't think it's going to work. So they're going to do some stuff we've never seen before whether that's get well, Trump in jail yeah. or get him off the ballot or something. And we're starting to see this $83 million. So they are telling America, a 76-year-old woman who charged a president with sexual assault that she could not prove, and we went through all of the discrepancies for 20 minutes today, with all of that, they're trying to say she suffered 83 million dollars of damage because she did what she can't right now at 70 she's 80 she lost her job and everybody said well you she lost her 20 plus years at la magazine and we see miss garcia the editor said no i fired her <laughs> we're laying off people i just didn't want her around anymore it had nothing to do with donald trump and so that's where we are and it's going to get nasty because that's just the first of five suits we've got to go through the same thing five times over and believe me these people hate his guts you look at that face yeah. of jack smith man that guy is so pissed off and doesn't help donald trump you know when he goes in there he can't he can't suppress it. he he starts yelling the judge says you know you're out of order he says you are too it's all true 
And his theory is, I'm going to, they're making a mockery of me, I'm going to make a mockery of them. But they have the the quote-unquote law on their side. And right. so... Contrived or not. He's got to be hey, quiet. He's got to get, I guess, the, <laughs> what I would say to Donald Trump is, right. speak softly and carry a big stick. Or I would say, don't get mad, get even, get even. Keep quiet and let your attorneys beat this in court smile and then when you get elected you get a contract with america through the first hundred days that makes this stuff impossible and maybe we can do but don't don't just scream and yell when you can't do anything legally it hurts your case well your lips uh your lips to god's ears and i'm not and i'm not a good person to do it because i've been in situations like that where i have people at stanford university went after me and I've been at Cal State for, I mean, when you walk on campus and you wrote a book called Mexifornia and you pick up the voice of Atzlan everywhere on campus and you see your picture with crosshairs and the bullet is right in your head where the crosshairs meet and you go tell a high official at your university, this is incendiary and said, you shouldn't have written the book. And so... You know, you get situations where you have understandable anger. But every time that I've been in a situation like that, uh, I've tried to be a little bit my first impression or my first surge of anger. I've tried to modulate it. Usually that means you write really angry letters and you you keep writing them and writing them. So they're more logical than angry. But right. Uh, gosh, I don't uh, think righteous anger is a uh, is a winning uh characteristic it's a thing that happens uh, well, let's say usefully when it happens rarely but when it becomes a uh, you know another thing jack defining, i was thinking finding of you it's it's i don't see it helpful you know another thing i was thinking that when we're going through all this everybody they're they're we're kind of inert because if this had happened three years ago this is what would happen four years ago you would get up in the morning, you turn on Rush, and for three hours, he would analyze it and break it down and have 20 million people. And then at night, you'd turn on Tucker, and Tucker would be fearless and just unlambaste it. And then you'd go to the Drudge Report, and they would have all sorts of esoteric stories. about. And you know what? And then you would pick up maybe the old Weekly Standard, or you'd see, read a George Will column about stuff like this. And here's what's happened. Rush died. Tucker was fired. Drudge flipped from right to hard left. And the people who used to be the establishment bow tie representatives of conservatism detested MAGA more than they did the left wing Democrats and have completely not just, you know, become non Trump people, but they are now hard left. And so the result of all that is there's a big vacuum. There's not a. There's not a there's not the same resin. I know that there's new avenues, there's new podcasts, there's blogs, there's good websites, but we don't have the amplification or the megawattage or the bandwidth or whatever term that we used to have. We really don't. And yeah, institutions matter. And they they, they really they, do. And, and ask yourself about every conservative institution: Is National Review stronger right now, or was it? 10 years ago was talk radio stronger 10 years ago or now 
was big news aggregators and there's some good ones out there, but did they have the audience that they had 10 years ago in the influence and was the eight o'clock Eastern five o'clock as strong? I mean, I have, I think Jesse Waters is doing a fine job, but what, is it as strong as, as it was when the, in the Bill O'Reilly days and the um, Tucker Carlson days, and I could go down the, the list. And uh, when you pick up the Washington post or you, yeah, you pick up the Washington post or you pick up, uh, the New York Times, do you see con- real conservative, the, the token slot, are, there, are they real conservatives? Is Peggy Noonan a real conservative, at the, it, you know, and the people at the New York, are they real conservatives? And then you ask yourself, when you look at the public sphere, does NPR and PBS have the conservative voices? Is there somebody like Brian Lamb now at CSP? You know what I mean? Not necessarily ideological or political, just a consummate professional that doesn't right. bring ideology I, and the answer is no 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 and well it, it's uh it's amazing it's the same thing with the university when i was a graduate student and undergraduate in the 70s that was left wing but the politics were secondary and there were people who were reasonable sane there wasn't a clotting gay clone type of president all over the United States like it is today. We have completely lost control of the institutions. The NFL, it would have been unthinkable 20 years ago that people would just sit there during this the Star Spangled Banner and not even get up and insult it like that or what, or just pout every day like LeBron James in the NBA when you think back. Or same thing about late night comedy, Jay Leno and... You know, all those guys of the old, they were on the left side, but uh, they did not get into the pure political hatred that you see with Jimmy Kimmel and all those people. And, and the same thing with the foundations, the Soros Foundation or Reed Hoffman or Zuckerberg's initial. All of these are so far to the left, even of the warped Rockefeller and uh, Guggenheim and all those foundations that went left in the 70s and 80s it's just it's just different it's the left has absolutely marched through the institutions and warped them to be unrecognizable but very influential in getting their minority and unpopular message mainstream and you can really see it when you ask well, people about transgenderism and leah thompson whatever his name is do you really want him in the olympics destroying all of the hard work of female swimmers Everybody will say no, but mark my word, he'll get so many puff pieces and so many editorials and so much pressure that he will be in the Olympics competing as a woman. Yeah. Well, Victor, there is an institution we should talk about and praise. And I'd like to take a minute for that place, our sponsor, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. It's America's leading senior advocacy and benefits organization and conservative alternative to the AARP. AMAC pays attention to the voices of its members and champions their concerns on Capitol Hill. Join us today. Visit amac.us slash Victor. Membership starts at only $16 and provides you with superior benefits and a community of over 2 million members just like you. I'm one of them. I've been an AMAC member for 
about seven, eight years now. We're dedicated to preserving our traditional American values. Uh, you've now seen for yourself how your dollar is funding the system and not taking you as far as it once did, giving your money to organizations like AARP only further funds the decline of our conservative values. Folks, if you're, if you're a member of AARP and you're listening, what are you doing? Join AMAC today. Save our great nation. Visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Victor to choose the right plan for you. And we thank the good people at AMAC for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson show. And I think in a, in a soon to come out, they, their great magazine comes out six times a year. And I, I think there's a piece by uh, the great Victor Davis Hanson maybe in the next issue or two. So uh, check it out, folks. Victor, to continue your the year of living dangerously, but on a foreign um, angle, so that's the title of, of your recent essay for um, American Greatness, which, folks, you can find that at, uh, well, at American Greatness, but also at the Blade of Perseus, victorhanson.com. Um, you wrote this, Victor. Uh, in particular, both enemies and neutrals, we're talking about foreign matters now, have accordingly drawn a number of self-interested conclusions about the waning Biden administration and what may follow. Three points. One, that Joe Biden, to their apparent delight, has in the last three years reversed the Trump deterrence policies and thus has greenlit their aggressions. Number two, that given the ensuing chaos, they have further agreed that Biden's growing unpopularity with the American people makes it likely that uh, both he and his appeasement policies will be gone by January 2025. And point three, and this is the important point, <laughs> that Donald Trump may well return to office. That would mean a much worse deal for Russia, China, and Iran and its terrorist satellites, and thus recognition that 2024 is a brief window of opportunity for aggression, Victor. This is why uh, we are looking at a year of living dangerously, uh, not only domestically, uh, but abroad. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, historically, when you have a weak or lame duck presidency, either the last year or even after the election during the transition period, and there is a perception abroad that there is going to be a correction with a stronger leader, then obviously uh, foreign belligerents want to take uh, advantage of that situation. And domestically, too. I mean, when James Buchanan was one of the weakest presidents we've ever had, one-termer. And so his tenure was going to end in 1861, and he lost the election in November of 1860. Now, he didn't, I don't mean he lost the election. He chose not to rule, and Abraham Lincoln was elected because the Democrats split the Southern and Northern Democrats split the vote. So he was elected. And everybody knew that the abolitionists were behind Lincoln and he would not back down about succession. He would protect federal property. Remember, that was the issue. Slavery was the real issue, of course, but the issue that triggered the war was, how do you get in a war over slavery? Well, you say that the federal government owns property in the South, and it did. And the South had no right to take federal property like a federal fort. And therefore, they would. And I don't think Buchanan. He didn't. Uh, he didn't increase enrollment in the military. He didn't be. He wasn't going to do anything. He was a northerner, but he felt sympathetic. So he, the elections there, and what happens in that 
in that interim. Seven states immediately succeed. Succeed. As soon as they find out Lincoln, they said, you know what? There's nothing going to happen to us. And by the time Lincoln is uh, president, he's got almost he's got 10. And he's going to have one more 11. Virginia's, I think, the last. Same thing with Nixon. Nixon had the war, Vietnam War won by 1972. And then the Paris Peace Accords, they they had the whole thing set up. And the North Vietnamese, given the strategic first-generation bombing with laser-guided shells in Hanoi, they went after the hierarchy of the uh, people's, uh, the North Vietnamese army. They went after them, and we had a peace settlement. And then Watergate came early 73, 70, all of early four. And then when he resigned in 74 and people knew that Jerry Ford was weak, but that at some point this was not sustainable, they just took over Vietnam. We didn't do anything. And they took it. They knew and understood that. And you can say that right now people are, and I could give you more examples, but right now people are looking abroad and they're thinking, under Joe Biden, who doesn't know where he is anymore, they had the greatest humiliation in their history in Afghanistan. They just fled, and they left billions of dollars that have circulate of munitions and arms that are circulating all over the Middle East. And then they just sat there when a Chinese balloon just lazily, lackadaisically floated across the continental United States taking strategic photographs of bases and things. They didn't do anything. And then they, they begged Iran to get back in the deal. They told the Houthis, you know what? You're no longer terrorists. And you, you'll like us for that. And then they said to Iran, you can sell oil. You can make 50, 80, 90 billion dollars. And Hezbollah, they said, you know, we'll back, you know, back the Lebanese government in dispute with Israel, who owns offshore gas rights. Well, and we're going to give money to you, Hamas. You've been behaving. Same with you, Palestinian. And they, so they did all of that. And as I said before, they had a choice between dishonor and war, and they took dishonor and they got war, to paraphrase Churchill. So everybody understands it's chaos now. And it, and we got the Ukrainian war I didn't even get into. And they're looking around and they're thinking, hmm, we don't think at 33% Joe Biden will be the president next. It may be a Democrat, but... It may not, and it looks like Donald Trump is ahead, and we know what Donald Trump was like when he was president. He killed Soleimani. He clapped down on China. He killed 200 Russian mercenaries in Syria. He slapped higher sanctions on Iran. He slapped higher sanctions on the oligarchs. He pulled out of an asymmetrical uh, missile deal with Putin. He sent Javelin offensive, first president to send offensive weapons to Ukraine. I could go on. And we understood what he told about North Korea, that everybody hated him. But he said, you know, you don't threaten Portland and Seattle. And we have a big, I have a bigger button than you do, and it works. And he did the typical art of the deal where he threatens, he creates deterrence, and then he doesn't rub it in, and he's conciliatory to China. And we had peace, but peace on our times. And with Mexico, by 2020, let's say January of 2000, there was no illegal immigration. He went and told Obrador, if you keep doing this, you keep it up, you're going to have the NAFTA thing 
in a way that you're, we're going to get out of it and we're going to shut down your economy and we're going to tax remittances. And they did, and Obrador complied. We had that finally solved the problem. So now they know he's coming back, Jack. And what are they going to do? They're saying we have January 20, 21st, 2025. We got one year. And there must be the optimum mood where Joe Biden is at his nadir. And we saw what happens when Lloyd Austin had prostate cancer and was missing in action for basically no one communicated him for eight, nine days. And Joe Biden didn't even know. And we saw, you know, what the Joint Chiefs has become with Mark Milley, you know, calling his Chinese counterpart. So this may be the best chance, I would say, somewhere around October or November. Or even better, after Joe Biden loses, say, in December, January of next year, to do something, something stupid. I don't know what that would be. Hezbollah attacks Israel. Uh, Ukraine, I don't know, Putin threatens uh, the Lithuania or Estonia or the Chinese decide that they're going to push their weight around the South China Sea vis-a-vis Taiwan. Mexico just says, you know what? It's time to just eight million was not enough. We're going to let in another three or four million as quickly as something like that. I think is going to happen. Well, Victor, um, I think we we may have time for one more quick little topic. Uh, I think Robert F. Kennedy Jr. like to raise him, and we'll get to that right after this final important message. <laughs> Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Hey folks, if you have not yet subscribed to Victor's website, uh, late of Perseus at Victor I have to encourage you to do that because not only will you find the links to everything Victor writes, uh, for American greatness and his syndicated column, the archives of his podcasts and other appearances, links to his books, including, uh, the forthcoming, uh, book which I can never the end of everything how wars descend into annihilation out in early May don't worry Victor I pre-ordered some copies <laughs> yeah, yeah right you'll get your royalty uh, from me uh, Victor writes ultra articles ultra quote unquote ultra they are exclusive to the website and you cannot read them unless you're a subscriber and if you're a fan of Victor's writing you are missing out Terribly, he writes two or three ultra pieces a week. 
So go there, victorhanson.com, sign up. It's $50 for the full year, $5 uh, a month, or $5 gets you in the door. As for me, Jack Fowler, I write Civil Thoughts for the Center for Civil Society at Amphil. It's a free weekly email newsletter. I get a lot of thanks and, and nice emails from folks who have subscribed. No charge to just give you 14 recommended readings of worthwhile articles I've come across the previous week. Go to civilthoughts.com and sign up there. So, Victor, a um, couple of things quickly about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. One, I saw in some poll that he's at a three-way poll. He's at about at 14%. Uh, percent. Then I saw something in today. I don't know if it's over, maybe it just came out in the last 24 hours when we're recording or earlier this week where Donald Trump is toying with the idea of maybe I'll ask uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to be on the ticket with me. And <laughs> Kennedy says something like, I'm I'm open to that, talking about. But to me, the most important thing here, uh, worthwhile, for just a quick thought, since we've ta- already talked about the border, is that he... Uh, backs uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott uh, with the, in this border standoff with the feds. And maybe I should get in Kennedy's former, maybe was was Andrew Cuomo his brother-in-law or something? Um, Cuomo was married yeah. to a Kennedy. Yeah, he was married to a Kennedy. Yeah. I think and was... Andrew Cuomo has come out of the woodwork just to yes, attack what's going on on the border. So anyway, any thoughts about Kennedy the, the in 2024 and, and the politics of Robert? Well, let's Kennedy. start with just very quickly, because I know we're over time, but Robert Kennedy, I mean, let's just make it clear that Donald Trump will be 78 years old if he is elected to the presidency. And he will be one of the first presidents in my memory uh, with an interrupted term, I think Grover Cleveland was the last one, and he will only be there for four years. So basically, this vice presidential pick gains importance much more than the usual Republican paradigm that a candidate in the late 40s, 50s, or early 60s is running for president, and he picks somebody to balance the ticket who will be vice president if he's reelected for eight years, that's not going to happen. So all of these would-be vice presidents are looking at this and they're saying, you know, Trump is tied up. He's going to be in all sorts of legal jeopardy, even if he's elected president. And he's only going to be there for four years. And he's going to be stressed out and he's 78. So taking the vice president nod is not a dead end, you know, Jack Garner. It's not worth a, a bucket of the warm blank. I think he said spit euphemistically. It's something yes. very valuable. Yeah, right. under for Roosevelt. And uh, so that's one thing. And that has enticed Robert F. Kennedy. Then Robert F. There's another thing going on. He looks at their Democratic Party and he thought, you know, I'm going to run on my Kennedy name and I'm going to run kind of like an old classical Hubert Humphrey, JFK, Bobby Kennedy, you know, it's kind of, I'll have to update it a little bit because everybody's got universal health insurance. They've got eight hour week. They've got unemployment insurance. They got social security. We got the whole shebang. We got the great society. We've spent all, so I'm going to just kind of trim it around, but I won't quite sign on to D ESG and DEI and open that. He's going to separate himself. But what he didn't calibrate on is that, this is not the Democratic Party. This is a hardcore neo-socialist movement. And they, they sustain no criticism. 
So when he started to campaign, they hated his guts. They could not stand him. He was an apostate. Forget the Kennedy name. They went after him. They tried to keep him off the ballot. They will keep him off the ballot as much as they can. So now he says, okay, screw you. If Donald Trump wants to make me, there's not only a good chance I could be president and I wouldn't need the Democratic Party as it's duly con, but I'm pissed off at them for what they've done to me. So that's another element. And then the third element is, I think it's exaggerated, Jack, but there's a lot of hype on the conservative side that they won over Robert Kennedy. In other words, well, even he sees that we're right on these issues and on the border or on China or on the vaccinations or the quarantine. He was with us. Yeah, no, he's with you about 10 percent of the time, 10 or 15 percent. He's with you in the sense that Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton are worth with you. He's a little bit out there on some issues, but I think uh, if he runs as a third party candidate and you are conservative listening and you vote for him as a third party instead of Donald Trump or whoever the Republican nominees, you're voting for Joe Biden. And that's very important because we're going to have Jill Stein. We're going to have Robert F. Kennedy. We're going to have Cornell Webbs. We're going to have Representative Phillips. We're going to have four of them on the ballot. And if anybody, let the Democrats vote for these people. But if you, this is the one time you need unity and solidarity on the, on the conservative side, no matter who it is. Even the most unimaginable candidate on the conservative side is preferable to Joe Biden. Never Biden. That's my... Uh... That's my hashtag. That's my, yeah, absolutely. That's a good good term. Never Biden. Yeah. Well, Victor, we've we've uh, heard an hour and 20 minutes of your wisdom here and appreciate it. I'm sure our, our listeners do. And those who have listened to you before, some of them leave comments on and rate the, the uh, podcast on iTunes slash Apple. Uh, you can rate it zero to five stars. Victor's rating is 4.9 plus. So thanks to those who take the time to do that. And some people leave comments, written comments, and here's one. It's titled Latina Patriot 2024. I look forward to listening to your podcast because it reinforces, illuminates my personal analysis of news reports. I also enjoy learning historical references that connect to current political trends. Thank you, BDH, and this is signed La uh, Quinterita. Um, I add a little, add a little accent there for uh, Victor for, for some drama. <laughs> Thank you, La Quinterita, for your kind uh, words. Thank you, Victor, for the wisdom you shared. And thanks, folks, for listening. And we will be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hansen Show. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye.